This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lores, and today we are talking about Avengers Infinity War. I'm not looking for forgiveness, and I'm way past asking permission. Earth just lost your best defender, so we're here to fight. Today we have the cinematologist Jake here, and it's been about, it's almost a year now since Avengers Infinity War had initially been given its theatrical release, so we're very behind as far as that goes. But I wanted to talk about the future of Marvel, because we do have Avengers Endgame coming up this year, 2019, and it seems to be the end point for many of the Avengers staples. Just the ones whose contracts have run out. I'm curious, I I do want to talk about that a little bit, but we are going to be talking about the penultimate Avengers film, at least with the original roster. Jake, what what are you, what is your whole opinion on the Marvel franchise as a whole, the MCU, and where it stands as far as modern cinema goes, and also in relation to other superhero franchises? That's an interesting question because my opinion has definitely evolved over the years, definitely more from a more consumer-based kind of enthusiasm for it, which I definitely had in my teenage years and my early 20s. But now as I've gotten older and as the films have gradually just continued on, I think um, Endgame is going to be film number 20 of their lineup. The, The whole Marvel experiment, in many ways, I think, has been a good thing in really pressing or pushing the boundaries of of expanding storytelling in a film series and whatnot and really try opening up the idea of expanded universes which i think can be used very well and can be used uh with with proper diligence and and can add so much to uh, a style of stories and whatnot etc but the thing is with the marvel films they've become cookie cutter and they've become vacuous meaningless and ultimately outside of the two hours you watch them forgettable because this is the thing and you can even go on lowres.live and you can see I wrote a favorable uh, opinion on Infinity War it was in one of my other reviews but I mentioned that I had enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and I did when I was there but the problem with Marvel is that it's very instant gratification oriented in that it does give you the goods and it gives you them as you probably envision them. But the, the the other problem is they don't make you think and they don't make you really digest anything other than the surface-level action, uh, the uh, gut-bustingly terrible quips from the characters that I, I have been done with since probably after the first Avengers movie. I'd, I had had enough of that. Well, hey, and, hey, hold on now. Black Panther has been hailed as the creatively intellectual film of our time. Well, uh, there's no arguing that. And if you do argue that, well, you just must be a a fascist. We we got to block you from the internet. But I I I think that's an incredibly on-point description of Marvel. Instant gratification, absolutely. But continue. Yeah, everything is essentially instant gratification-based. They give you what you want, which in one sense is good. But in the same sense, I think, well, that's good for the typical consumer fanboy which I used to be, but that was long before I really took film as seriously as I take it now. And I think if you are the regular consumer, it's a fine product. It's like playing with action figures. 
Well, on, on, the difference I, I wanna... is when you're playing with action figures, you're ad- actually being imaginative. Right. Where Marvel films are not necessarily being imaginative. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you and I come from a different era of film goer than the general Marvel consumer right now, who's probably around 15 to 20 years of age, where when we were kids, we had these superhero movies, and they came out maybe two or three years apart, and they were never connected to one another. Like, it was a big deal that Batman referenced Superman and Batman and Robin in just a shitty joke. You know, because it it just potentially explored the idea that, oh, these characters could be part of the same universe. Or perhaps uh, something like X-Men and Daredevil being owned and operated by the same company and somebody giving an interview saying, oh, well, maybe Daredevil or Elektra will pop up in an X-Men movie or vice versa. You know, these were the kinds of things that really gave you a glimmer of hope that maybe we could get something like the Marvel Universe at some point. And then as soon as we got that, obviously it was huge, it was new, it was interesting, but we've had it for what what seems like, hmm, well, it, it has been a decade. It's been 10 years, right, since Iron Man first came out, mm-hmm. and it has definitely run its course. We've seen a number of competitor companies through Warner Brothers with their DC imprint, and also Universal with the Monster Universe, what was it called, the Dark Universe, trying to do this same exact thing, and nobody has been successful at it. Not a single company has managed to create a shared universe with any kind of sustainability. DC comes close, but that's a mess right now, and you have about five different timelines jumbled within this film universe of theirs. Yeah, so I think, again, the possibilities that have been opened are really promising, but that's assuming that Hollywood is comprised of very competent people, which right. I would say we have largely said that's not the case. And I, I again, with this and just I just happen to see the Producers Guild of America nominated Black Panther as one of their best picture nominees. And uh, I think that all but proves the statement that Hollywood is essentially incompetent when it comes to that, unless you're just talking about demographic, instant gratification, action figure, consumer-based products rather than actual films. And and when they try to discuss the actual substance of these movies, it's funny to me. I I have a quote. I'm going to bring it up in a a minute or two. Uh, You can tell me what you think, but it was Brie Larson's uh, description of what to expect from Captain Marvel. And it's, Mm. it's laughably simplistic. So while I look for that, um, yeah, maybe maybe you agree with me. Well, I, I did see that quote. I did not read the quote, but I saw that. I think Hans had some words about it on Twitter. I can only imagine, though, what the, uh, the you know the central plot of Captain Marvel will be or how it'll be individual. Well, well I have this. it right here okay. if you want me to read off what she said. So By Brie all Larson, means. Uh, this is from Discussing Film, a blog I have not read, and they posted... Brie Larson has said the following regarding Captain Marvel, and I quote, She's flawed, but owns those, and learns to work with them. She makes mistakes over the course of the movie finding herself, figuring out her past, but also discovering her own strength and power. Whoa. So Spider-Man. That's that's next-level stuff. You would think, after 20 movies, or 
Oh, yeah. So Captain Marvel will actually be number 20. And then 21 will be Endgame. Okay. So you, you would think 20 movies in, we might have some more subversive themes here. Or we might have actors that can competently explain what the hell their movie's actually about. And I think that's the central problem we're getting with these Marvel films. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing wrong with being a consumer-based kind of movie. But I mean, you have Black Panther getting Best Picture nominations from the Producers Guild of America, the, the gatekeepers of this, ver- of this industry. And we have utterly meaningless, substance-less, if that's a word, films or well i I wouldn't call them films movies you know yeah if we're gonna (laughs) gatekeep i'm gonna say they're movies not films sure and yeah there's something to be said about the escapist aspect and in just wanting to turn your brain off and watch something that's fine but when these things are beginning to be praised as high art such as black panther and as vehicles of empowerment as captain marvel is appearing to try to take on, I think you need something there. I think you mm-hmm. need more there than what we're getting. And uh, Infinity War is an example of them proclaiming to take on bigger themes, but really not exploring it or <laughs> just really saying they are, not doing it at all. Well, I think you're touching on something related but different with the whole Producers Guild aspect in which these institutions of film are crumbling, and the Producers Guild needs something like Black Panther to hook in interest within younger filmgoers. Something like that is looked at as a major staple of the year among like the Twitter crowd, and also, I, th- I think it's just one of the most popular movies in general. So they see this, they see that it's uh, you know trendy, that it's hip, it's youthful, it's uh, quote-unquote urban, and they know that <laughs> some people will find interest in this movie, and thus hopefully the Producers Guild that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. As far as the Marvel canon goes, I think the general consumer is waking up to the fact that a lot of these Marvel movies are the exact same. And this Captain Marvel trailer that was released, and then the second trailer that was released, didn't get the fanfare, I think, that Marvel... And Disney were hoping for. In a lot of respects, it reminds me of the Green Lantern 2011 movie. Did you did you ever see that? The Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie? Yeah, yeah. Saw that one in the theater uh, eight years really? ago now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had heard the negative buzz about it, and I, mm-hmm. I still went to watch it. And I have not watched it in eight years since. Uh, <laughs> I found it, yeah, very hilariously kind of silly but not in a good way um who was it john hurt that played the the villain no 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 no. you're thinking of the hulk uh it was mark strong who played sinestro no no, that... no but the other one the uh scientist guy oh I peter believe that was peter skarsgård oh, skarsgård that's right it, well, i confuse him with john hurt or whatever for whatever reason hmm. he was hilariously over the top in that movie and I suppose that's the one thing to like about it. His his performance was the only thing that kept me through it. But, you know, after looking at all the hype and the unquestioned praise of some of these Marvel films, I might go back and give Green Lantern a fresh look and see if it actually does anything decent. I'll tell you what. I watched that Green Lantern movie back in 2013. 
And I had thought that critics were a little too hard on it. It's definitely ridiculous and over the top. And there, it, it's not a good movie. But it didn't deserve the flack that it received. I thought I felt that that was disproportionate, especially when you go back to around that same time and the original Thor movie is literally on par with it for the amount of silliness and just the general quality. But that was well-received by critics and Green Lantern was not. And I don't view those two movies as dissimilar from one another. But that's another point entirely. I think it would be good to finally get into... Avengers Infinity War now. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, do you want to unpack that first? or uh, Sure, because I had gone to see Avengers Infinity War long after I decided I'm done with Marvel movies. I'm out on these. I, there's just a disconnect here where I can't sit and enjoy them for what they are anymore. I think Thor Ragnarok might have been the last straw, or maybe it was... Uh, Ant-Man or or the second Avengers movie. I enjoyed aspects of Spider-Man Homecoming, but on the whole, it felt like it wasn't even... It, was, it felt like it was only 75% his movie. A lot of it felt like fan service to the Iron Man audience because they didn't want to do Iron Man 4. In Civil War, I thought was an absolute mess of a movie, that it wasn't really a film at all. It felt like something that was cobbled together with use of the imagination of a 10-year-old boy to rival Batman versus Superman. It was just a whole lot of long, really long fight scenes and little plot around that that seemed to work in a linear structure. And so I went into Avengers Infinity War with lowered expectations, but I was open-minded. I was like, okay, I haven't seen a Marvel movie in theaters since probably Iron Man 3, Let's give this a shot. Maybe it will maybe it'll do something decent. And I walked out of the theater feeling scammed, feeling had, and I decided to swear off all Marvel movies from here on out. So, you didn't like it. I liked the ending, but I already knew in the theater as spoilers if you haven't seen the most popular movie of the year and the most one of the most popular memes on the internet that every character who dies in this one is going to come right back to life in Endgame, and the characters that have survived this one will probably wind up dying in the next one, just because their contracts will be up, as you stated before. Yeah, so I had approached Infinity War with kind of the mindset, and it's funny because I watched Thor Ragnarok not too long before it, and I actually thought that was maybe one of their better efforts of recent because it felt way more like a genre film than any of the others I'd watched recently. It mm. felt felt more Buck Rogers to me than uh, than many of the kind of recent forays they've done, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I thought was a big swing and a miss in, in many aspects. But going into this one, I just had the idea of, okay, can they live up to this event film status that they've been building up to for the last 10 years, 18 films at the time, and create something that really stands out and has its own identity from the other films. And the short answer is no, but the long answer is initially I was pleased with it because, well, I wasn't surprised per se, but I thought it did a couple of the uh, things it needed to do correctly. 
Uh, the ending, I think most people can agree, it's it's bleak, but it works, and it's it's exactly what you should want to see. You, you want to see these characters suffer and, and die, really, and, and be torn apart. And I guess in that aspect, it did give me what I was asking for. But really, I think the saving grace that I had with it was Josh Brolin as Thanos. And I thought he was maybe the one ultimately convincing thing from the entire movie. And I think that's one of the things everybody clings on to with this film. But aside from that, I I just think you have a lot of scattershot, meaningless scenes, uh, really devoid of any thematic quality or really any, yeah, any kind of subversive theme whatsoever. Kind of akin to what you said about Civil War, where it's just a bunch of action scenes strung together kind of meaninglessly. And I think that's the real problem with these movies, because initially, yes, like I said, I I was pleased with what I got because those couple things stood out. But it's the kind of film that months later, you really say to yourself, thinking, oh, well, did I really go out of my way to watch that again? And to me, this one is kind of a no. I'd say, well, I don't know if I would sit down and spend the two hours and 45 minutes I spent in the theater watching all of this again with enthusiasm. Because it, it, outside of those few qualities and those few scenes, there's really not much there. Yeah, I, I have found that to be the effect of most of the Marvel films. I, I, off the top of my head, I think the only genuinely rewatchable movies in the entire 20 film now series is the original Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe the, the first Avengers movie, maybe... And uh, maybe the first Captain America. And actually, I'll throw out Iron Man 3 there, just because Shane Black manages to create a fun dynamic between Robert Downey Jr. and Don Cheadle. But on the whole, these movies are too generic and too similar to one another to offer a worthwhile, rewatchable experience. And as you said before, the second Guardians of the Galaxy, that was such a huge disappointment to me because it seemed more concerned with fitting into that mold than being a true continuation of that first film, which felt so different and detached from the rest of the series. And especially bolstering that star power with Kurt Russell involved. Yeah, but Avengers Infinity War, it felt like an amped up version of Civil War, where you had these long, drawn out fight sequences and none of it actually felt like a movie. I, I, I did a video review way back in uh, early 2018, right after I saw the movie, straight out of the theater at my hotel room that I put up for patrons. And I remember my, my big takeaway from this movie was it's not a movie. It, it It doesn't feel like a film. It feels like four or five episodes of a TV show. And maybe that's ultimately the root problem with the Marvel franchise, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is it has become a billion-dollar television series as opposed to trying to be unique, respective films, which, for all the problems that DC has had, and I'll, I'll say right now, I wasn't a big fan of Wonder Woman or Justice League, especially Justice League I thought was a mess, but you can go and look at those movies as individual chapters within whatever it is they're trying to build over there and watch them separate of any kind of knowledge that precedes or succeeds that one individual movie. 
Yeah, uh, I a lot to unpack there, but I would say the thing that resonates most with me, what you said, was that it does feel like four or five episodes of, t- of a TV show, and f- oddly enough, not a very well-produced TV show at that. I remember criticisms going back to the original Avengers movie saying, what's up with this WB channel style of cinematography going on, or this this kind of lame color palette grading that's going it feels very arrowy but in terms of referencing the the show the arrow you kind of reflect and digest on that real question at the, at the center of the movie which which is kind of are we a poison to ourselves or that that's at least like something you could extract from that whole scenario and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't care to explore it there's the one scene where again after he snaps his finger he's walking in this kind of uh, kind of sunset-looking abyss, which is, which is a cool-looking scene. Mm-hmm. But again, we're not we're not we're not getting anything substantive here, really, like narratively speaking. Sure, but what did you actually think of his motivation as a villain, and the fact that there was some kind of logic grounded within it for the extreme acts that he takes? I felt that that was very different for a Marvel movie, and almost refreshing that you could actually see his perspective and it wasn't a generic elf villain that wants to <laughs> populate a planet or what you know whatever that one yep. bad guy was in thor the dark world no 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 you're you're malekith that was his name i can't even believe i remember it but that's amazing yeah um no i agree with you and that's because 20 or 18 19 films in there had never really been <laughs> a good villain in this entire library of films and that that's if anything is telling about the quality of these movies that's it you went about 18 movies without any kind of believable or memorable or any kind of compelling villain like whatsoever it's always been these kind of wishy-washy shady types or or very murky motivated people Thanos was the one person that you or villain that you were able to at least understand what was going on in his head. And that's what excelled it a little bit uh, ahead of most of its predecessors. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. Do you think having an interesting villain or a charismatic villain is clutch for having a rewatchable action film? Uh, charismatic villain, I would not use that word. I'd say you need an actual villain. You need someone who you would actually be afraid of or or you need you need somebody who again just work off the basic archetypes Darth Vader or I don't name name anybody and like Darth Vader is the first one that comes to mind and it's the it's the easiest one because you saw he was limitless you saw he was he was a very worthy adversary he had the power where he needed it but he was rather he was preferable to governing his victories because he was uh, a lord in the, in the on the dark side or whatever, and I and I think just his presence and his presentation was foreboding enough. You, you never have had that with any of the Marvel villains before Thanos. You haven't had that quality of oh geez, I mean, this guy's serious. No, it's it's usually just some bald guy in a suit with vague motivations about power. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to the idea that it needs to be an intimidating villain in order to make it a 
rewatchable action film. I, I'm thinking back specifically to Batman Returns. Like Catwoman is a good villain, but you're not intimidated by her. Or even Batman Forever, which is, I mean, look, it's it's a it, it's a super gay movie, and it's over <laughs> the top. It's very flamboyant. But Jim Carrey is a pretty good Riddler in that movie, and I think that contributes to the rewatchability of it. Even if his humor doesn't really hold up and it's kind of cringe, there's still something about Batman Forever that makes it fun enough that you can go back and say, okay, I might want to rewatch this. Well, maybe the word I would use then is memorable. Okay, or, yeah. Or distinct. I would agree with that. Yeah. somebody. I, those, are, those are the words I would rather use than charismatic because with charismatic, I think a lot of people or a lot of screenwriters in Hollywood... Uh, use that as a cognate turn to write silly, sassy, trashy dialogue that I've gone gotten beyond tired of. Sure. And I don't need my villain sound, <laughs> sounding like a, like a journalist on Twitter with 4,000 followers <laughs> who has all the right snappy comebacks. I think that's the future. That might be what's in store for this new decade coming up. And we are exiting uh, the 10s, I guess, is what we're going to call this decade. And the teens, right? The te- the teens, yeah. And the I mean the whole Marvel franchise and Disney has on the whole, for better or worse, encapsulated this decade in film. And we're entering or we're exiting this this particular decade with Endgame. What was your reaction when you were finished with Avengers Infinity War? You you said that you had kind of had a generally positive feeling about it, and that, I guess, waned. What What is your reaction to Infinity War now that almost a year has passed, and does that affect how you are going to go into Endgame, which is supposed to be the last of the last, allegedly, for some people? Well, to follow up your first question, I will say, yes, it does affect it, and to answer your First question, I, I might have said first question twice. I meant second question for yes, mm-hmm. in, in that it'll affect my opinion. But first question, in that, yeah, it it really wavered after a couple months in that, sure, the excitement and the hype had died down. I had an initially somewhat positive reaction. But really what I wanted wasn't wasn't met completely. And, and, it, and it's been the same problem that has plagued a lot of these movies. As a matter of fact, most notably, all the Avengers movies. I am not a fan of these over-dramatized big battle scenes like the one in Wakanda, where it's nothing but the heroes fighting this anonymous herd of alien humanoids with no identity, with, with no stakes, where, where the stakes are clearly not raised in the scene itself, mm-hmm. where so, where somehow, and I'm sorry, somebody's got to say it, somehow, like, Black Widow is just in-fucking-vincible, no matter what happens in the world, no matter how many fucking Herculean creatures are piling into the world and just ripping people apart, somehow we are to believe that nothing bad is ever going to happen or that the stakes are high at all for, for loss of life because we've seen this shit so many times now. And it's just the fact that there's never really been stakes and that you're just rewarded with 
vacuous scenes that are nothing but cookie-cutter action scenes with maybe some decent fight choreography from time to time, but don't offer you any any kind of emotional resonance or any any gratification in that regard. Sure, you're getting action, but it's real mindless, vacuous action that doesn't that doesn't provide for any memorable moments. And that it's, that's that's actually something that makes the whole experience as you're watching it when you're aware of that that there are no stakes feel like a gigantic waste of time because you know that the characters that are going to die will return in some capacity because that is the Marvel staple. You kill off somebody, they're either back by the end of the movie or they're back for the next movie or three movies down the road. It's all meaningless. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I would just say what you should be doing if you're the Russo brothers, now I know they're probably obligated by contracts and Kevin Feige, to, to really adhere to this mold. So maybe I'll give them a break. But for the people behind the scenes on this that are pulling the strings, it's, you want emotional resonance. And I'll reference a, a film to back this up, Braveheart. Now, yeah, sure, that's a one-off film, but it's a, a Scottish war epic. And the emotional resonance of that film comes with the journey of William Wallace. We all know that. But then by the end, he gives that riveting speech that's where it's centered, and that is the emotional payoff you get with the battle scene. And that that movie's 23, 24 years old, like Best Picture winner. It's pretty, pretty easy to follow that mold. And you don't have to be as good, per se, but I think it showed how easy it is to... Or just that it's feasible to put forward emotional... Uh, you know, genuity or what's the word I'm looking for? Genuineness, I, I guess. Uh, sure. And and you just don't have that with Marvel. And they're treating it like this big event for their fans and for, for moviegoers alike and, and are putting forth like this false, false guise of emotional payoff. You get bored. I mean, these some of these action scenes wouldn't have been good in the 90s. Let yeah. alone like Starship Troopers has... has way better and more gruesome uh, action scenes and 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 that's an intentionally hokey sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Let me well I, one thing I will give it credit for is that the marketing campaign did well enough to fool me into going back to the theater. Compare that to Justice League only last year or well, a little more than a year now where WB seemed to bury that movie. They knew that they had a stinker on their hands and what should have been the biggest movie of all time you're talking about batman superman wonder woman the like all these iconic figures of the past 70 years wound up with a marketing campaign that essentially left all the advertising to the occasional poster on a moving bus you know there were no real trailers or or commercials that were broadcast on the television there wasn't billboards in times square it was a disaster and uh you know they they were completely aware of that one thing i do find interesting though is that i don't know if you 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 said you watched justice league recently right yeah okay so apparently the whole plan with the dc extended universe got flipped on its head because they wanted Zack snyder out the door after batman versus superman apparently the the bad guy and the uh, concubines of Justice League were supposed to be the bad guy and concubines of Suicide Squad. 
and we were supposed to get the Thanos-esque villain, Apocalypse, no, Darkseid, excuse me, as the main villain of Justice League, and it would have been a two-parter. I, I have no idea what uh, WB and DC are going to do now, but let, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, what is your feeling going into the next phase of Marvel? And we'll close out the show giving final thoughts on Infinity War because obviously Disney has now entered a merger with Fox where they're going to get the X Men, they're going to get the Fantastic Four, so there's new blood being pumped into the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, potentially. Well, I can only hope in terms of Marvel that Endgame is is a true swan song for the, the whole Marvel series and Avengers series up to this point. Probably not going to be based on their first entry in, in terms of Infinity War, being that it, again, throws all thematics out the door, just leaves a real cookie-cutter bare bones kind of generic action film just with a little bit of hype behind it and a good performance by josh brolin mm-hmm. and since that worked and made them two billion dollars i can't see any reason why it's going to be different for endgame there might be a smidgen more of emotional resonance uh, in this which means it won't have that much but i suppose bidding goodbye to those few characters that might be killed killed off and i say might because they've proven they they don't really care about the stakes in that regard. So right. maybe, they'll, maybe they'll give some friendly goodbyes to some. I could see them giving a friendly kind of goodbye to uh, Tony Stark character, maybe having him survive and just retire or something along those lines. I'll tell you what. I give it five years before Chris Evans is back to doing Captain America movies. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of room there, but yeah, because he, he's technically supposed to be like 100, but as long as he looks 40... Or 35, however old he is now, uh, I guess, yeah, he'll, he'll always have a job. But going forward, I, I mean, I, it's nothing I can be truly excited about. And I, I haven't honestly been excited about anything Marvel. Probably, yeah, you're right, since about 2014, maybe. And that might be being generous because they're very by the numbers. They're bare bones. They don't offer you any kind of remnants of like character journey or growth or what be it. It's 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 consumer driven and that's fine, but it's not it's not anything substantive for real f- film lovers to to go see. Mm-hmm. And even with the acquisition of 20th Century Fox, I just don't see anything exciting because this this is probably going to go down as maybe the one of the biggest kind of genre tropes in history. This rivals anything that. Uh, maybe the slasher craze of the 80s and 90s per se offered this this maybe even trumps it and that this has lived so long and lived through so many numerous attempts and very few of these films have tried to do anything really subversive with their with their with their themes or with their characters or anything like that so i'm not really excited going forward as a matter of fact i i just ugh, i i just don't know how many more of these i'm willingly going to see in the theater as I approach my 30s. So, uh, yeah, count me out for the most part. I'll tell you what, I watched the Endgame trailer, and I was actually surprised by how decent it looked. I will probably watch Endgame. Will I see it in the theater? I don't think so. I am not particularly optimistic about where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is heading once they wrap up this chapter, because I think you're going to get a lot of 
uh, replacements for the Iron Man, Captain America roles. I think, what's his name? Sebastian Stan will probably step up and be the new Captain America for a while. You'll get the Wakandan Iron Man lady person from the new comics, something like that. So I'm not particularly interested in that kind of derivative nature. And I can't see Disney putting a better X-Men on the screen than what we got with Fox, which was a mess as far as the timeline went, yes. But I also thought that Hugh Jackman and really, I mean, the way that they could go with that is by trying to bring the 1960s X-Men crew to life on the big screen where it wasn't entirely an emphasis on Wolverine. I think that could be interesting. I think they might do that. But on the whole, I'm out on Marvel about 95%. I might check out the new Spider-Man movies. I don't know yet, but yeah. And again, this is something uh, I guess I'll touch on really quickly before we close out. And it's mm-hmm. really, I think, in my opinion, because none of these movies, they they liken themselves as their own genre. But we know that's not really a thing. They're more so consumer-driven kind of pop culture, uh, I guess, time capsules, if you will. But they're, they're, they, they have no real genre substance. And I think they'd be a lot more, a lot more entertaining and a lot better if they took upon actual genre qualities Mm -hmm. like uh that new mutants movie for example is trying to do something different or they were trying to do something different before the uh disney acquisition where it was going to be a superhero movie but it was also going to be a horror film in a mental institution did you know about this yeah yeah i mean that's a start i i think that's that's what (laughs) what these movies should have started doing about 10 years ago after iron man really opened the door and Maybe after, or just about when Christopher Nolan was laying his Batman series to rest. I think that's when that should have happened. But no, they went with this, again, this very generic, bare bones kind of style. And just thought, well, if we have enough cheap one-liners and and enough explosions and capable actors, that's all we need. Yeah. It's worked for them. uh, it, It has. But I think for, again, people like us, it's it's just... Not enough. Just meaningless. It's empty. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, just to get ahead of the complaints about this episode, because we did have more of a general Marvel conversation. I mean, that's the movie. They expect you to know everything about Marvel that that came before. And, I mean, what what is there to really say about the Infinity War movie itself? The fight scene was cool. Well, I mean, exactly. That that's the problem, and that's why again the conversation I think should be brief on this movie because sure, aside from the things we had mentioned, Josh Brolin, uh, the the end scene with everybody dying or yeah. half the cast dying, and really the kind of build up and, and hype around it. There's nothing else to it. There's, yeah. there's nothing else to the movie. There's like the performances aren't bad. They're not good. Like they're basically mailing it in. Like you can tell that Robert Downey Jr. is very tired and he's ready for his contract to be completed. So like nobody nobody's busting their balls and giving it their all in Infinity War to get an Oscar. I mean, there's no gain to that. It's just give me the money. I want to be done with this franchise. Let me go make the judge part two. You know? Uh, but that has been this episode of Movies. Jake, thank you again for popping on here to talk about Infinity War. Uh, any final thoughts? And then if you want to throw out your you know, your links, etc., go right ahead. Final thoughts are, these are your kind of movies if 
you don't profess to love films generally. If if you just kind of love pop culture and you love superhero or comic books, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fine. That's up your alley. But I think to really analyze these from a film-centric point of view, and especially with the, the kind of clout that the, again, like the Producers Guilds of America try, are trying to give to these films and trying to assign them any kind of credibility in terms of merit or thematic quality. I, I think, I think that's a line. I think it's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if you want to listen to me, uh, call people out on this stuff and, and just enjoy the internet with me. Uh, Lorez actually got me a bunch of followers overnight. I got about 70 new followers on Facebook last night. That was cool. Oh, great. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at thetologist. That's the T O L O G I S T. Anytime you say that, I, I, mean, I think proctologist. Well, I, I mean, some of these movies dissecting them is like proctology. Yeah. So there's that. You can also find me on Facebook at the cinematologist. You'll find me in the comments of Lorez Wonderbreads. Various shares every so often. I usually have something I try to drop in there. When I'm not getting banned from... Did I tell you that I got banned for 24 hours for reposting that Louis C.K. tweet? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Unbelievable. That's the second time I've been banned in two weeks. I got I got uh, banned for hate speech for pointing out that Kevin Spacey was a gay pedophile rapist. So <laughs> well, someone reported that. Shame on you. Unbelievable. But continue. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so Facebook and then YouTube. I've been kind of lazy on the content, but I, I won't say lazy. I'll just say that time has flown for me since the end of October, and I'm hoping with this new year, the, there will be a lot more time to make some quality stuff for you guys. But if not, I mean, I'm looking to write a lot more on lowres.live mm-hmm. and just just really have more content for you guys. Maybe record a weekly podcast. I'm thinking of naming it the Dissecting Cinema Podcast, so hopefully that's something to come soon. But yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and yeah, I hope you share your thoughts, and I've been happy to interact with those of you that have uh, followed me, so thank you. You gotta get on Vanillo. I I, I just started up an account on Vanillo.com, so go to Vanillo.co slash Wonderbread. It's very small, it's still in the beta stages, but I picked up some brand new, like, interactive, dedicated followers through there, so... You might want to hop on there while it's still, uh, you know, at the ground level. Uh, okay, that has been movies for this week. Thank you again for tuning in. Patreon.com slash if you would like to get exclusive episodes and early release episodes. I've been your host, Lores, and we will catch you next time.